From the Balboa Island Clubhouse in Newport Beach, California, and on location, this is Living the Dream Balboa Island, where we showcase extraordinary people, businesses, and regional history that influence the beauty and civility of our world-class coastal community, hosted by yours truly, Tom Dioro. Today, we're honored and uh, really excited to be joined by Ruben Gulledge, manager at Certaire Properties. Ruben, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Tom. Ruben, usually I go into a, a description of what it is you do, but I, I want to make sure you have as much of the uh, the show as possible. So share with us, you know, like a quote. I know we talked about a quote or a, or a mantra or a prayer that really matters to you personally or, or and or professionally. Sure. Um, well, the quote, it kind of popped into my head is that we are all more similar than we are different. And I thought someone had to have said that before. So I Googled it. Um, and Maya Angelou uh, actually said, we are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. And why was that? Does that resonate so much with you? Um, well, it popped into my head uh, because really when you invited me onto the podcast, I thought you made a mistake because I'm not a <laughs> Balboa Island person. Although I grew up in Newport beach, I've lived here 45 years. Uh, I've worked here my whole career. Um, so I thought, what do I have to offer to a conversation about Balboa Island? Um, but then the more I thought about it, the more I realized I do have, uh, connections here. I have, you know, memories of growing up here, uh, different friends, um, that are, with us still, some that are not with us. Uh, it made me realize that, you know, we are more similar than we are uh, dissimilar in a lot of senses. That similar, what's unique, uh, Ruben, and why I reached out to you is a couple of reasons. One, I knew that you were a part of Newport Beach for a long time. Two, that you were within real estate and so much of this, uh, where we live is, it all is real estate in effect, and not just economically, but the social fabric has a real estate, comp a strong real estate component, and also that you're an attorney as well. And I thought that was really unique. Share with us, you know, how that came about. I know you told me that story, but I love this story. Um, so, yeah, there are no attorneys in my uh, family growing up. I never considered being an attorney; was never on my radar. Um, I started selling real estate in 2000 in my early 20s. Um, I Love the contracts. I love the real estate. I didn't enjoy the sales part of it so much. I'm not really a salesperson. Um, my fiance, who I've been with for 20 years, when we started dating, she was in her second year of law school. So I kind of got exposed uh, to the idea of law school there. But it was still another nine years later uh, that enough people had said, you'd be a good real estate attorney, that I started to believe it uh, and went to law school in 2011 with the idea um, of being a real estate attorney so I can help agents out when they have their problems. Because a lot of the uh, fulfillment that I got out of being a realtor was helping other realtors, whether it was in the transaction or in serving on the board of realtors. And serving on the board of realtors, how did that come about? Is that something you aspire to, you somewhat default into? or? Um, so I started on a committee at the Newport Beach Association of Realtors early in my career to kind of just get some more experience and knowledge about uh, local real estate and how uh, boards of real estate work, essentially. Um, and just in serving on that, uh, that board, it really allowed me to help other agents um, you know, in their business and provide more education um, and information to the community at large. I'm catching a theme here. 
about you're very service-based or service-faceted, maybe service-based. I don't know if there was a word for it. Is that by design? Is that what you aspire to when you were younger? But there's definitely a serve. How can you best serve? I've got that from your website, uh, the, the collateral you have, and then obviously you in person. I think just helping others uh, is something that you know gives me personal fulfillment. Um, I think the more that we can help others, uh, the more we all benefit from it. Um, I don't know that I was always necessarily service oriented. <laughs> sure, uh, I uh, didn't do a lot of uh, charity work or volunteerism. You know, growing up uh, as a kid, I think in my adult and professional life, uh, that's really when I kind of took to it. Yeah, is there any galvanizing moment or moments that where it all maybe not hit you where you said, you know what, I, I can't just be all about me. I have, I, I really have to contribute. No, I can't say there. I'd like to have a great story for you, Tom, but uh, no, not that I can pin. How has it been as an attorney in, in dealing with real estate? For, if, you, if you can contrast from when you weren't an attorney in real estate. So I think I'd start by mentioning the paradox of realtors in California, where the state says, as a realtor, you cannot practice law. Now go out and write legally binding contracts on multi-million dollar purchases and negotiate it, and best of luck to you. Wow. So I think every realtor is somewhat a little bit involved in the law in the sense of dealing with contracts um, and all of the legal obligations that, that go along with that. I would think it's a significant advantage to have a, a background or a a degree in law specifically for real estate. Do you also serve as somewhat of as a mentor to some of the realtors? On um, that I, I would like to think I do. You'd yeah. have to ask them. They yeah. may give you a different opinion. Um, <laughs> but I tell my agents, uh, because they know I'm an attorney, and I remind them that I am not the company attorney. I'm not in-house counsel. So think of me as your anti-lawyer. If you listen to me, you'll stay away from lawyers, and you'll have a lot more time and money in your pocket at the end of the year. What's their response, if you don't mind me? You don't have to name names, but I'm curious to the response. Um, I, I think they appreciate it because they yeah. know I'm trying to keep them out of trouble. Uh, they understand the tightrope that they walk every day in practicing real estate as a realtor, that you can't give legal advice, but you have to advise clients on the contract um, and on the transaction as a whole. So I think they appreciate it uh, because there are many danger zones, let's say, for a realtor writing a contract. Um, the state says they allow realtors to do what they do because you're mostly checking boxes and filling in blanks. But there are parts on the contract that just have blank lines that say other terms. So I tell agents that's the danger zone because the language you draft has a legally binding effect for better or for worse on your client. So please get me involved anytime you're going to draft language. Run it by me and I'm more than happy to help you draft that language or draft it for you to make sure that not only you, but probably more importantly, your client uh, stays out of trouble. What, what do you think has changed or what's uh, in the last, say, two or three years or what has evolved? How has real estate evolved in the last couple of years? Um, great question. I think the information access to the public has definitely grown. Um, a lot of the public, I hate to say they think they know more about real estate now than they really do. Um, there's a lot of 
technology implemented to help clients, let's say, fill out disclosures. Um, DocuSign has become a, a concern in the sense it's very easy to send a client many, many pages of a contract where they just click, click, click and sign all the way through without actually reviewing it. So I think the role of the realtor has really um, evolved into being an advisor or I like to say an advocate for your client to make sure that they're making the right informed decision and not just relying on automation and internet information that they may have at their fingertips. I thought it was interesting. All of what you've said, but in particular, this one is when you'd said you'd save them, uh, your client's potential, obviously, legal litigation and money. Is there an advantage to almost every realtor or brokerage to have an in-house attorney review documents? I think 100%, especially these days. Um, and I'll clarify again, I'm not Certaire's in-house counsel. Sure. I don't practice law. And the reason I say that, you know, kind of... Uh, I don't want to say joking, but I have to remind people to the point that they say, we know, we know, is that there's no attorney-client privilege and there's no confidentiality because I'm not their attorney and I'm not the company attorney. Yeah. Share with us the disadvantage if, if you don't have someone to review the documents. I think the disadvantage is that you may be committing professional negligence for your client because you may be writing in language that you think has one meaning, but the other party interprets it differently because of ambiguous language, uh, not following the terms that are defined within the contract and using different words that you think mean the same thing, but they don't necessarily. Um, you know, I can give an example of sure. the definition of repairs in the California purchase contract includes termite work. So if a buyer negotiates through the purchase offer that the seller shall do X amount of termite work on the property, and then the buyer has an inspection during escrow, the buyer wants to negotiate repairs, and the seller gives a counter proposal of, I will credit the buyer, let's say $10,000 in lieu of any and all repairs. Well, they've used the term repairs, which includes termite work. So the seller may have now just undone the obligation to do the termite work that the buyer expects to have been done. So nuances on the defined terms within the contract, if they're not used very carefully and specifically, can create ambiguities. And generally in California, ambiguities are construed against the drafter. So if you wrote language that the other side interpreted as different, the law may interpret it against you because you had the opportunity to be clear and you didn't. They're not gonna penalize the other party for interpreting it uh, a different way. This is terrific. It's also the Living the Dream Balboa podcast. We're talking today with Ruben Gulledge, manager at Certaire Properties. Ruben, it sounds like almost daily, if not Every transaction has the potential to have some sort of litigation. Am, am I wrong? Or no, you're absolutely correct. Okay. And so you have to be on like twenty four seven in yes. effect. Yep. All my agents have my cell phone number. Um, they know they can call me nights and weekends. That's 
um, when they a lot of times need help because that's when they're with their clients. And me having been an agent for 15 years selling, I know that if I'm with my client on a Saturday and we're writing an offer and we're negotiating terms, if I call my manager and he says, I'll get back to you on Monday morning when I'm back in the office, that's not helping me and that's not helping my client. So that's something that I'm happy to do for my agents is to be essentially on call uh, 24 seven with uh, them having my cell phone number. How advantageous is it having been an agent for 15 years as opposed to not have been an agent and just an attorney? Um, I think it's instrumental because you understand the agent's perspective you understand their stress level. You understand everything that they juggle in addition to just writing the contract. You know, they have to manage personalities. Um, they have to market the properties. They have to juggle all sorts of showings and phone calls and back and forth. Um, so there's a lot that goes on with being an agent. You're really a jack of all trades. So when it comes to writing the contract and the legal pitfalls that we talked about, I think it's really important uh, to have a manager that's available, experienced, um, and has somewhat of a legal background. I think that's uh, very important to agents. Now, how do you keep abreast of all the rules and changes and laws in each specific city? Let's say here, Balboa, Balboa Island or the peninsula. How often does it change and are you instrumental or do you have an influence in any laws changing or adjusting or up to being changed? So I don't have any influence on laws changing, okay. but to go to your uh, original question of staying abreast on that, um, I think myself and agents really need to rely on local boards of realtors who have uh, detailed information, experience, and up-to-date information on that city's uh, ins and outs, let's say, uh, particularly with fire zones and a new disclosure that sellers in a higher, very high fire zone have to provide to the buyer. They need to know if the city fire department or municipality inspects that property, what that process is, how long it takes, what's the inspection fee, uh, what's the ramification if it doesn't pass inspection, the deadlines uh, and all of that, because most municipalities do it differently. Some cities cover that area. Some areas and cities are covered by Cal Fire or Orange County Fire Authority. Um, so I think relying on your local board of realtors or someone that's plugged into that is really detrimental. How much is uh, of this is not just a skill set, but actually a sense of curiosity? I think a lot of it has to be a sense of curiosity because there is so much to know. Things do constantly change that if you're reactive, it's probably because you have a claim filed against you and now you're finding out that there's a new law that you didn't know about. So I think being curious about it really helps to stay on top of it to seek out those changes. And your level of curiosity is obviously pretty high, not just personally, but professionally as well. With real estate, yes. There's <laughs> okay. other areas of the world I don't care about and I'm not that curious about. But with real estate, yes, it's a, a passion of mine. And how did real estate become that passion for you? Uh, so my mother uh, was a realtor growing up. She recently retired. Uh, you know, Shout out to my mom, Molly, for Excellent. making it out and being able to retire. Um, but my brothers and I would get picked up from elementary school and sit in the back of mom's car while she showed property or went to her listings to show listings. 
Um, you know, so I kind of, you know, was raised in the world of residential real estate. Did you have any idea, even as a, as a kid, that you would be doing this as a profession? No, not really? at all. No, I, I fell into it one summer. Um, I was at uh, UC Riverside um, on summer break. A friend of mine had a company. I told my mom, I'm going to work for my friend. And she said, nope, I'm so busy. If you're working for anyone, you're working for me. Oh. And, you know, when you live at home and you don't have a job otherwise, uh, you don't have much of a say-so. So I ended up uh, getting a real estate license, uh, taking to it pretty well. I dropped all my classes in college um, and then sold real estate for a few years before going back uh, part-time at UCI to finish my undergrad degree. And at that point, did you know this is what I'm going to do as a profession at some, at some level? Um, probably because I was doing well, um, you know, and I was on the board of realtors and sort of progressing in that fashion. So I would say, yes, I was pretty much, uh, committed to a career in residential real estate at that point. This is a really broad question. How much difference, if you can contrast from when you began to where it is today, as much as you can recall till today, has the industry changed in your experience? Uh, monumentally, okay. I would say in the last... 23 years, um, yeah, night and day, you know, because largely, uh, I'd say the internet, um, technological changes, uh, the changes in the law as well. Uh, Landlord-tenant law, for example, has become incredibly complicated, um, constantly changing, uh, particularly through COVID um, with the eviction moratoriums that were in place, um, rent increase, concerns um, and caps that were put in. Um, so to the original question, yes, uh, seismic shift in residential real estate in the last 20, 25 years. How do you foresee, the, take that question today with 2023 and move it in a, another 20 years ahead? Obviously, n no one's able to predict it, I think, with complete accuracy. But what do you foresee, say, within the next five, even 10 years, just based on where we are now? Uh, first and foremost, I think that agents will need to become focused more on advocacy for their client and not just a salesperson, let's say. Uh, to your point about curiosity, um, agents are going to need to more and more ask questions on behalf of their clients. Let's say for buyers looking at property, knowing what the buyer wants, needs, expects, and then asking listing agents those questions, um, finding out about, like I said, the local municipalities' uh, nuances. Um, for instance, Newport Beach has its own city report and city inspection that only Laguna Beach, um, the only other city around here that has their own city inspection. So if you're representing a buyer in Newport Beach or Laguna Beach and you don't even know that that city has its own city report and inspection, you might be doing a real disservice to your buyer. How could do? How can an agent or realtors or brokerages make it, if not make it, experience a user-friendly attorney relationship? I don't know what else to say, Ruben. But that's the only thing I could think: like user-friendly in the relationship, so it's not so potentially adversarial. Because immediately I would think if you say, oh, I bring in my attorney, there's always, you, you, you kind of dig your heels. How can it be to where you're not digging your heels, you're actually looking forward to it? 
um, from one-sided agent perspective, let's say. Um, I would say understanding that the attorney is there to help prevent problems and not just looking for remedies and damages after a problem already occurs. That's a major shift in mindset. In your experience, how, how can that be universally accepted or more uh, industry accepted that hey, you, they really are here to try to work things out? Well, I think if you take a parallel to mediators, you know, mediators okay. are typically, you know, judges, retired judges, attorneys with experience. Their main goal is to facilitate a settlement that both sides can live with. Neither side's necessarily happy, but they can both live with it. So there are attorneys that their goal is to facilitate a resolution for the parties. Okay. Well said. You're listening to Living the Dream podcast in Balboa. Our public service announcement and acknowledgement for today's show is the Brad Evans Foundation. This uh, remarkable young man was a victim of smoke inhalation in a tragic house fire in Oakland, California. Brad was a senior at UC Berkeley, and from his first days in the fall of 1996, he knew that he was exactly where he wanted to be. His brothers received his degree in his stead from the University of California at the graduation ceremony at Berkeley, May 2001. For more information, feel free to visit the bradevansfoundation.org. Again, that's bradevansfoundation.org. We're talking today with Ruben Gulledge, manager at Sertera Properties. Ruben, why does the, the foundation matter and mean so much to you? Uh, well, Brad was a good friend of mine growing up uh, from elementary school through high school. Um, you know, I say he was a friend of mine. Then again, he was everybody's friend. Um, but I played sports with him, had classes with him. Uh, his mom, Scotia, was my fourth grade math lab teacher, um, which was the class that we all first learned to use a computer, which is funny in this day and age, than fourth grade. Uh, his older brothers, Matt and Morgan, uh, they reminded me of my older brothers, just fantastic uh, gentlemen. Uh, his dad, uh, Mr. Evans, I don't know if I ever knew his dad. You don't know your friend's dad's first name. You know, he's Mr. <laughs> Evans. Just one of the coolest guys you've, uh, you'll ever meet. Um, and they're a Balboa Island family. Um, so there are memorial benches along the bayfront in Balboa Island. The one at the end of Marine uh, Avenue is Brad's Bench. Um, and needless to say, when Brad passed away, uh, we were all shocked, heartbroken because he was genuinely one of the greatest human beings that you'll ever meet. I mean, his sense of humor, compassion, integrity, I mean, all those words that you hear 100% applied to Brad. No, well, thank you very much. Again, for more information, feel free to visit the Brad Evans Foundation.org. And, and Tom, just real quick, I appreciate you uh, allowing me to plug um, Brad Evans Scholarship uh, because it does go to a student that's uh, going to UC Berkeley. And I know you're a Stanford guy. Um, so if I can bring it back to we are all more similar than we are different from each other, um, you know, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely, Ruben. Ruben, back to what you, you stated at the uh, beginning of your show is where, with the Maya Angelou uh, quote, is that we're more similar 
than different. How have you noticed and experienced that even on a day-to-day basis? Maybe, maybe even provide us an example, the most recent example of, 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 of that experience. Um, you know, I guess recent, I don't want to be too trite in talking about NFL football, okay. but I'm a big fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Um, and maybe it's because when your team is out, you know, you can commiserate with other teams that may be rivals that, uh, you don't wish any success, um, you know, but <laughs> sure. you're happy to see them, you know, go on. Um, but I think seriously, just bigger picture of everything that's happening in the world. Um, a lot of conflict that we see, um, you know, I would hope could be prevented in the first place, if not resolved, just by realizing that as humans on this planet, we are all more similar than we are different. But a lot of the problems and issues that we see seem to derive from a focus on our differences and not on our similarities. I don't know if we just solve world peace. But. <laughs> well, let's take let's take a shot, uh, 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 opportunity at it. What action have you done, or have you done, or ever done, that has helped solve that? And what would you suggest, just from your perspective, your own opinion, your own your own thought, to bridge that gap? Probably apologizing and looking at yourself and realizing that a lot of times we're wrong in our own right, um, but we hold on to the grudge because we're so concerned about being right and winning that it can be hard on ourselves and a blow to our ego to admit maybe we were wrong. And I think by being the first one to reach out and apologize can open the door for the other side to then let their ego accept that they can maybe apologize back. And then you start talking on, on the ground, the similarities and you sort of, you know, put down the verbal barbs and, you know, work on a resolution. Well done. Thank you, Ruben. And Ruben, what would you like to share with your audience today that we may not have touched on? If there's any one or two particular topics or thoughts, I'd love to hear you know, the only thing that comes to mind is I love my mom. <laughs> awesome. I know she'll be listening to this. Oh. Excellent. Ruben, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for being here. Love to have you back soon, truly. Thank you, Tom. I'd love to. I'm you know, humbled and grateful that you have me on. Thank you very much, Ruben. You've been listening to Living the Dream Balboa Podcast. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Ruben Gulledge manager at Certer Properties. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week. Living the Dream Balboa Island podcast is recorded at the Balboa Island Clubhouse in Newport Beach, California and on location. Our chief audio engineer is Eris Chakopoulos. If you wish to contact us, our email address will be set up. It will be podcast at livingthedreambalboa.com. Again, podcast at livingthedreambalboa.com. Thank you for listening.